Let us pray. Dear Lord, please lead and guide me and help us all to hear your word. May the Spirit move among us and may we take it out into the world with us when we leave. This we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, first off, good morning. For y'all that don't know me, I'm Dick Moore. Uh, I was an attorney in town. Um, I've been in the legal profession for some time. And I hope that I do a good job here today. One of the things that I've found in uh, practicing law is that no two people think alike. When you're practicing law, you're trying to get people to agree with you. You're trying to get them to do what you want. And early on, you find out that you're telling them something that makes perfect sense, and they don't understand it. And the reason is, is they don't think the same way that you do. I've found through the years that everybody, as, as just as we are different physically, we are different intellectually and mentally. We all think differently. And we all see things differently. And that's one of the things we have to deal with when we deal with Jesus Christ and with our relationship with God. Some things are very important when it comes to God, and some things I think maybe aren't as important as others. Last week, Brian preached about uh, one of the Colossian scriptures where they were talked about the man being the head of the family, and that somebody got upset with him at a church he was at before because he had expressed his understanding of the scripture, that that didn't necessarily mean that the man was the Lord of the house. In fact, he and his wife worked together on things. And... Um, this other fellow was upset about that. Now, my wife's not here this morning, but I want to get it on the record that I agree with Brian on this issue. She's coming to the 11 o'clock, she says. We'll see. But there are many issues like that in the church. My grandmother, who was a great Christian woman, was a strict Southern Baptist. She didn't believe in drinking or dancing or card playing. I don't see anything wrong with any of them myself. But she did not, and I never argued with her about whether she was right or whether I was right. Because, again, God meets each of us at a different place. Paul talks in the Bible, he talks about people that eat meat and people that don't. See, Christians had a problem in the early church because a lot of the meat sold in the markets had been offered to pagan gods. And some Christians said, well, I can't eat that meat. It's been a sacrifice to a pagan god. And other Christians said, well, as long as I give thanks to God for this food and take it in faith, I'm okay. So God approaches each of us from different ways. I, I'm reminded of an old Sikh parable that I'm fond of about the group of blind men that come upon an elephant. And the first blind man grabs the elephant by the tusk and says, oh, an elephant is just like a spear. The second grabs the elephant by the trunk and says, no, an elephant is like a snake. And the next grabs the elephant by the leg and says, no, this elephant is like a tree trunk. The next hits the elephant on the side and says, no, an elephant's just like a wall. And the last grabs the elephant by the tail and says, no, an elephant's like a piece of rope. Well, they were all right, but they were all wrong. We as people, when we see grasp a little bit of some truth, we think we know the whole truth. We have to understand that we don't. 
We know pieces. And something that may be right for me may be wrong for you. And something that's wrong for you may be okay for me. And vice versa. Now, I don't think Christians should argue about things like that. And there's a spectrum of where what's really important and what's not important. But there are some things that over which we cannot argue. Now, when Paul wrote Colossians, one of the things that he was writing to address was one of the heresies that was coming up in the early church. And that heresy was, uh, came from a group called the Gnostics. And I'm not going to get into the Gnostics too much because I know a little bit about them, but not a lot. But one of the things they believed was that spiritual things were good and material things were bad. And the conclusions that they came to from that was this, that Jesus Christ was good, therefore he was a spirit, but he was not a man. Because a man is material. And material is evil. And Jesus Christ could not be a man because he couldn't be material. And they believed that Jesus was a spirit, but not a man. And Paul wrote this to address the heresy of, this, of the Gnostics. But there, and, and Gnosticism's gone. They, I don't think anybody believes that anymore. But there's a new issue that's developing it's not really new. It's been around forever, but I'm concerned about it because I think it's like gaining traction in this new age. And that new heresy is that Jesus Christ was a man, a great man, on par with Buddha, Confucius, Plato. He was a great man, but he wasn't really the son of God. He wasn't really a God come to earth. He was just a man. This to me is very, very dangerous, and it worries me. I'll agree. I mean, that's why we got Baptists and, and Catholics and, and Methodists and Presbyterians. We all disagree on some little factors, but there's one thing that we cannot disagree on, and that is that Jesus Christ is the living Son of God and that he is a man both. And I wanted to look at this Colossian scripture and go through it because it's, it's amazing that the Word of God is so much a living Word of God. This scripture addresses the new problem just as it addresses the old problem. And I'd like to look at it. Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. Now, I want to come back to that verse in a minute because, well, because it is. He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. Now, this verse makes it very clear. Jesus existed before anything was created. Jesus himself was not created. He, he was there in the very beginning, if there is a beginning. He was there at the very start, and he is supreme over everything, over all creation. And why is he supreme over all creation? Because through him, through Jesus Christ, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things we can see, and he made the things we can't see. Now, again, and I'm not going to go too far down this path, but we see this world. We see the people around us. We see all of this, and we know how beautiful it is. But we think that this is all there is. There's a whole lot more than this. 
This is just a little teeny tiny piece of everything that God created. He made everything things we can see and the things we can't see, such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him. This is the position of Jesus Christ. Not only was he there at the beginning, not only was creation through him, it was for him. God created everything through Jesus Christ, and he created everything for Jesus Christ. He existed before anything else, and he holds all creation together. Now, we've got our spiritual laws, we think, and then we got our laws of science, which I don't understand. But this is telling me that there is no such division. Jesus is, is gravity. Jesus is that which holds us all together. Without Jesus, the chaos, we see chaos in this world, and there's a reason for that. But without Jesus, this, there would be nothing but chaos. He at this very time, is the very one who holds it all together. And then Paul goes more personal here. He's also the head of the church, which is his body. See, when they say all creation came through Jesus, I almost get a, and I don't know why, but I hope this works for you, it's almost like a birthing thing. Not only are we the children of God, this whole earth is such. And not only is Jesus the head of all of that, he's the head of this church. We are his body. We are the ones that are to do Jesus' will here on earth. He is directing us. When my mind tells my hand to put these glasses on, it does it. That's the way we're supposed to be with Jesus. But we don't listen sometimes, and that causes a problem. So, he is the beginning, next verse, he is the beginning, the supreme over all who rise from the dead. Now, not only is Jesus the beginning in terms of the original creation, Jesus is also the beginning of the new creation. He is the first to rise from the dead. And not only will the church, we people, be regenerated because of that, the whole world will be, the whole universe will be, heaven and earth, it all will be. I don't understand much of Revelations when I read that book. It confuses me, but one thing I do understand is in the end where it says, and there will be a new heaven and a new earth. The things we see here today are corrupted. As good as they are, and they are good, they are corrupted. But the new heaven and the new earth will not be. And how, what was going to bring about this new heaven and this new earth is Jesus Christ. And going back to this scripture here, for God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ. And through him God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything on heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood. It is the blood of Jesus Christ that saves us and regenerates this world. This world will be different. Now, 
when we talk about Jesus just being a man, besides all of these other things about how he was there in creation and all, there have been many great martyrs in this world. And if Jesus is just a man, he was just a martyr. He was, you know, the people that say, well, Jesus, he was a man, just a martyr. But he was a good man, yes, but he was a man. And if that's all he is, his blood's no different from any other martyr's blood. And I certainly don't take that the wrong way. I'm not, there have been martyrs who I respect, and I think uh, I, I couldn't say enough about it, but they're not Jesus. Their blood is not the blood of Jesus. Now, I said I wanted to come back to this first verse. Christ is a visible image of the invisible God. I read that verse many times before and it always worried me a little bit, to be honest with you. This visible image of an vis invisible God. Be and I'll tell you why it bothered me. Because of the Genesis scripture, it bothered me a little bit. Because... It said, God says, let us create man in our image. In our image, we will create him, and so on and so forth. And that word image they use in Genesis is the same image that they use, that Paul uses here. And I never quite understood that. And I, it came, it, it was, I read some commentaries and such, and, and, and a few years ago, I read one that made sense to me, and it kind of opened a, a new window for me on this verse. See, it says that God, Christ is the image of an invisible God. And one of the things that tells me, of course, is that Jesus Christ came to show us what God is like. People have this image of God as some wrathful, throwing the lightning bolts and putting the hard judgment on folks and throwing them into pits of fire and such when they don't listen to him. Well... Jesus came to show us what God's like, and God's not like that because Jesus wasn't like that. If Jesus is showing us what his God is like. But the other thing this image thing shows me is not only is Jesus showing us what God's like, Jesus is showing us what the perfect human being is like. Jesus shows us God, but he also shows us what we're supposed to be like. We are supposed to be as, he, he's as sinless as Jesus was, and we can't do it. Paul says we've all fallen short. None of us can reach that level. And to me, that's another reason why we can't get into judging other folks. The world in general thinks that getting into heaven is some kind of a balance. Does my good outweigh my bad? You know, have I done better than somebody else? Well, we can always find somebody we're better than. But we can't be better than Jesus Christ. When we get to heaven, when, God, when this new creation comes down, when this new heaven and earth come, it's not going to be good. It's not going to be very good. It's going to be perfect. And God is not going to let anybody in that's not perfect. Well, we can't be perfect. We all fall short of what Jesus needs us to be. We know what we're supposed to do, but we just don't do it. And it's only through Jesus' blood, through the redemption of Jesus Christ himself, that we get there. 
And when we start to realize that, I think we stop this judging other folks and arguing about whether you can have a drink with dinner or not or whether you, this music's good or bad or whether we should allow a gay marriage or not gay marriage or any of those other things. We are not to judge folks because we fall short. And Paul, who wrote this, was probably the most, if not the most, one of the most legalistic people that ever lived. Paul was a Pharisee. He knew the law inside and out. And he did everything he could to fulfill each and every little letter of the law. But he couldn't do it. And I'm going to read from Romans now, and this is Paul talking. I have discovered this principle in life. When I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. I love God's law with all my heart. But there is another power within me that is at war with my mind. This power makes me a slave to sin that is still within me. Oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? Thank God, the answer is Jesus Christ. Jesus is the Son of God, and Jesus is the Son of Man. And when we come to that realization, we'll judge no one, and we'll hang on to Jesus for our salvation. Let us pray. Dear Lord, please open our hearts and our minds and our spirits. Re help us to see you standing there in front of us. Help us to accept you and follow you and love you and to love our fellow man as you have loved us. This we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.